0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, and thanks for having me. Today's topic, The Expendables, Sylvester Stallone's ensemble action film about veteran mercenaries. The film co-stars an ensemble cast of mostly action film actors consisting of Jason Statham, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Randy Couture, Terry Crews, Steve Austin, Mickey Rourke, and Bruce Willis. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. This this film didn't occur to me for the longest time. There is a comic. There is a prequel comic. And I think they may have done additional comics as well of The Expendables. Here we are. This is a film. I mean, it came out in 2010. I was so excited. You're growing up watching action films in the 80s and 90s. And these guys, for the most part, were coming together on screen for the first time. So my excitement level was at an all time high. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone was um, champing at the bit for this movie. Um, when news the news of it broke and that it was happening, everyone who watched 80s and 90s tough guy films just rejoiced because it was going to be, like you say, this. This mass grouping of all these tough guys on the on the one in the one movie on on the same screen and everyone just lost their collective crap. Everyone was like so amped, and I was no exception. I was I grew up watching like you know Chuck Norris and Arnie and Sly and just all those guys. So uh, Van Damme and you know you name it. Like I I was all about it. So
0: yeah, I was pretty keen to see it too. I've got to be honest. I kind of knew that already. I just I just wanted you to to say just for the listeners i thought you would be a good guest to have on this particular episode just knowing like me you're you're a big fan i mean since the expendables we've had escape plan arnie mm. stallone together mm. we've had a film where it's arnie and Jackie chan you know, so these guys have come together frequently since mm. again going back to when this first came out we, yeah, and I, and we I, hadn't seen it. No, and
1: I, I think the rumor uh, or the story I heard surrounding the Expendables is that Stallone, a lot of his buddies were just not getting much work. Uh, the work was drying up, so all these tough for all these tough guy uh, types. So he thought, well, I'll create a franchise where I can give all my friends some employment and get them some work. And I think that was the impetus for getting getting the movie together.
0: Yeah, I mean, for Dolph Lundgren, so he plays Gunnar Jensen. This was his first theatrically released film since 1995, and that was the Keanu Reeves film, Johnny Mnemonic. It had been such a long time, but I've got some information here on the development, because what I like doing, I mean, obviously we watch films for enjoyment, but whenever we're going to do a review, it's always good to get some additional information, and I find find myself sometimes going on a bit of a deep dive and finding out, okay, so we've seen the film, but what happened before the film? How did we get here? In mid-2005, writer David Callaghan submitted the first draft of a mercenary-inspired action film titled Barrow to Warner Brothers as part of his blind commitment deal with the studio at the time. Callaghan revised the script two more times and submitted his third final revision in early 2006, Having expressed interest in doing an ensemble film, Stallone reviewed Callaghan's third and final revised draft of Barrow and used it as a starting point for The Expendables. And then Stallone took it from there, because not only is he leading the ensemble, Stallone directed this film as well. So he was very hands-on with directing, starring, the script. Script And you're right. You're right. He did make a point of wanting to bring his buddies into this film. And again, you know, talked about uh, Dolph. Guys that had not been on the big screen. None of the guys in this film have really stopped working, but they've been going mm. direct to home release or direct to DVD Blu-ray. That's, that's Yeah, they were really just cool. hustling. What, yeah, that's what they were doing. So they were they weren't necessarily out-of-work actors, but they weren't on the big screen like they were back with this film. Yeah. And I gotta admit it's it's uh
1: it's so it's so much fun when you do the deep dive on the information and the trivia for the show because it's so interesting when we record and we get and I get to hear all this cool stuff about how things are made, the behind the scenes and you know how it led to being made and all the tidbits go into making it. That's the really, really cool
0: part. The Expendables received mixed reviews, with praise towards the action sequences and cast performances. It was commercially successful, opening at number one at the box office in the United States, the UK, China, India, and grossed a total of two hundred and seventy-four million worldwide. And that was on a budget of eighty million. Wow! So it more than made back bank. And the film spawned the sequels The Expendable 2 in 2012, The Expendables 3 in 2014, and The Expendables 4 coming out this year, which oh, I, wow. was I'm a very one. excited for. Yes. And Stallone, Statham, the guys are back. They're all coming more. back for the fourth? I don't know. How, if I'm honest, I'm trying to stay away because – I don't want to know too much about it before going in, uh, but That's I know true. Stallone, Statham, they're back. Stallone has said the fourth one will be his last, and the idea mm. is that he will pass it on to Statham, so then he would lead the ensemble if they do any future films. And at one point, yeah, they were talking about doing a Lee Christmas spin-off. I mean... <laughs> The names, the character names in this film have always cracked me up. Statham, yeah. Lee Christmas, Stallone, Lee Christmas. Barney Ross. <laughs> I've just always, I always liked.
1: That's logical you know, though; it makes sense. I mean, Stallone's getting on. Uh, you, you, know, he's, you know, he's up, getting up there, creeping up there as is Arnie in the age years, and um, it would make sense that he'd want to kind of pass the torch because he probably just can't do the book of his own stunts anymore.
0: And honestly, big fan of. Arnie, Stallone. Yeah, all of them. Statham as well. I, I mean, mean I've seen him. Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Mm. Directorial debut, Guy Ritchie. That was a very different Jason Statham, but he's great in that oh, yeah. film. But then after that, with films like the Transporter franchise, he became a huge action star.
1: Big time. Yeah. It's good to see a Brit making it uh, in the big time in America
0: with the action circuit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's other examples, but I think Statham is probably, yeah, he's probably the biggest example, really. I mean, there's like Scott Adkins, but he, I mean, he's in Expendables too, but he's not necessarily, well, he's nowhere near the the level of success yeah. that Statham gets. Yes, yeah, so the Statham probably is the biggest action star to come out of of the UK. Now, this is the first time that Stallone, Arnie and Bruce Willis have appeared in a film together. Arnie is uncredited. Bruce Willis has more of a part, and he's integral in bringing everybody together in the first place. They meet in a church. That last time. Yep they they meet in a church. So Bruce Willis's character goes by the alias of Mr. Church. But in that yeah. scene, and it is only one scene, Arnie walks in. The way he opens the doors, you see the silhouette. He walks down. Just the banter that is going on between Arnie and Stallone is just yeah the, the whole thing so
1: so overdone and so like just you know it's 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 made for the moment so people can geek out on seeing these two guys together and
0: on sharing the screen for the first time yeah and, and it is it is a cameo that's what it is. I mean it's it is a cameo it's it's a, it's a fun one. I mean Arnie does come back in the later films and it gets to do a little more oh. there, but this is just a fun. Cameo, so yeah. I get why it would be uncredited. But again, they have good banter. At one point, Arnie's character says, "Give the job to 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 Ross," so Stallone's character because he loves mm. running through the jungle. That's you know obvious reference to the Rambo franchise, or could even yeah. be talking about Predator. You know, these guys yeah. have got such a big body of work. But just seeing those three together, you know, Bruce willis has got a twinkle in his eye—and you could just see that they're just having. A fun. good time, and that's and that's what you get from from this film. I mean, it's yeah. action-packed, it's gory. I mean, people are getting shot and exploding. There's yeah, so much gore
1: half and stuff. Terry Cruz has got that big gun just blowing people in half.
0: Yeah, there's so yeah. much gore in this film, but yeah. all of that, you could just see that everybody is just having a really good a time. Blast. Yeah. You mentioned Terry Cruz there, so he plays Hail Caesar. Originally, Stallone. Wanted Snipes, his demolition man co-star, Well oh, right. that particular role, cool. but Snipes turned it down because of his tax issues. Uh, that mm. have, I believe have since been resolved, but tax issues at the time. At the he time, wasn't able... he was pretty beleaguered. Yeah. yeah, and he couldn't leave the United States, and that's that's you know where they shot the majority of the movie outside of the United mm. States. But he got to come back, or not come back, but he got to join them in Expendables Three. Oh, well, there you go. As he opened the movie, like freeing mm. his character who's on a train. It's a very cool sequence. We've got Mickey Rourke here as Tool. He gets those scenes in the bike shop. Oh, it's not a bike shop, is it? They've all got bikes, but he's a, a tattoo artist. Yeah. That's right. And he he said that he did this film as a favour to Stallone, who years earlier, when Rourke was in a career slump, offered him a major role in in Get Carter in 2000 and helped to pay part of Rourke's salary himself. So that's just going back to what he wow. said in the in the beginning there, of like there him just go. getting his buddies together and just helping them out. And then after this, it must have been after this that Rourke went and did The Wrestler, which was a yeah, I remember saying fantastic that. film. Yeah, it was
1: amazing, wasn't it? Then he had that turn as uh, the bad guy in Iron Man 3,
0: Ivan Vanko. It's interesting well, that you true. mentioned that. I meant true. Yeah, which came out the same year as this. And I always found mm. it interesting watching The Expendables that because Mickey rourke looks like he does in The Expendables and the and Iron Man 2. but well, that's it. Mm. Like, that's the only yeah. time he looks that way. And it's because yeah. he was splitting filming his scenes with both movies. And he for was only sure. available yeah. for this one. 48 hours, so he was essentially yeah. shooting Iron Man 2. And then, as I say, as a favor, he came over. Mm. So that's why he looks like Whiplash in this movie. Yeah, he does. I think one name we need to talk about that
1: often gets overlooked in favor of these other much bigger, massive players is probably Jet Lee. Uh, Jet Lee was yes. huge in the late 90s, early 2000s. He blew up and um, he's been very quiet since, very not very active since, but he was very prolific around that time. And it was great to see Stallone recruit him for the film.
0: Yeah, he plays yin yang, and then he's got some gags about needing more money for his family. You don't have a family; <laughs> he's got gambling debts. Yeah, mm. and and it's cool because where else are you going to see a fight scene between Dolph Lundgren and Jet Li? <laughs> like, yeah, complete opposites. I mean, you you can go back to films like Enter the Dragon and Bruce Lee and yeah. fight like a much bigger opponent, but just come out on top. Yeah. And you're seeing it. It's funny seeing it. It's here. funny you should mention.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny you should mention Bruce Lee because um, when I first was exposed to Jet Li and first started seeing him in films, I thought this guy's like a modern Bruce Lee. His he's, he's his martial arts chops are
0: insane. Yeah, and, Apparently. and you know we we'd have been exposed to, or I was at least exposed to Jackie Chan before Jet Li, mm-hmm. and Same. both doing something very different. Like yeah. Jackie Chan would more in his western films incorporate a lot of humor. He'd uh, he'd fight with his environments, and then. Yeah you've got Jet Lee and he had the speed. Like, oh, you yeah. know, just like you had with Bruce Lee, like famously, apparently he had to slow down his movements because he was moving too fast for the camera. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's what <laughs> I mean. It's Jet just Lee, incredible.
0: Yeah. It was great. I remember there was a film that came out, it was before this, Unleashed. Bob Hoskins was in it as well. Morgan Freeman, oh, wow. really good Jet Lee Li film. Like he was held captive I think he was a mute. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but that was a really, really good film. Um, I'll have to watch that. Can I ask you this, right? So you watched it again last night, and going Mm. back to the first time that you watched it, isn't it clear that Gunnar Jensen gets killed? Because Mm. I always thought, like, he clearly dies because he turns, and he goes against the rest of the team, and he dies. And then when they're all together in the in tool shop at the end, and he's just there.
1: There, there he is. And, and it's just like, like and, really and he's fine. Maybe that's really bad editing
0: or bad script. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where it didn't really flow the way that it should because mm. it's not like a fake out. Like it is as if that character dies, but because mm. I was so happy to see that he was still alive. I've mm. always just gone with it. But when looking into mm. it, his character was killed in the first draft. But was ah. but then they changed it so it could be brought back for the sequel, which I'm sure Dolph would go. have been very happy about. So that oh, yeah, 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 so yeah, maybe cause... that's that that's what it is. I mean, just seeing mm. those guys together. I mean, years later, we'd get Dolph and Sly back together in Creed Two, which was fantastic. Yeah. I really enjoyed seeing them back together. I think one of the good one of the good moments is like when they take off in the
1: in the big plane at the end of the first film and stay them and and um still aren't have that buddy kind of buddy buddy moment where they do the fist bump and then they they, they fly off like a pair of old dogs, you know, like road dogs.
0: It's very, yeah. very cool. Um Lee Christmas gets a love interest. Charisma Carpenter, mm. Cordelia from yep. Buffy. So there's that cool scene where she's got that asshole boyfriend, Lee yeah. goes back to her place. Finds him on the basketball court, takes him and his mates down. Excellent. Yeah, that's cool. It's a really good scene with uh, mm. with Statham there. The big bad though, Eric Roberts as James Munro. Like he brings such a level of cheese to this role. Like there's just it something does. about Eric Roberts, but tonally it fits this film perfectly, and I really like what he was uh, doing here, but he wasn't necessarily their first choice. I mean, they were looking at other people like Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Ben Kingsley, Ray Liotta. They were all considered, but Stallone is the one that decided he wanted to cast his specialist co-star, Eric Roberts. So again- stallone's bringing people together from who he's worked with like he wanted snipe from demolition man there was rumors mm. of sandra bullock at the time just a also, who's who, isn't it The demolition man the, the whole movie
1: so who's who the whole movie has more names in a phone book in it like it's just it's everyone that the stallions ever worked with and it's just like um so you always get the sense that he was ringing everyone
0: around going hey you want to make a movie you know and then what do they do with the second one they go even bigger and Jean-Claude mm. Van Damme, who Stallone yep. did approach for this film. Yep. Uh, reasons he, he didn't take the role. Chuck didn't Norris. He get, yeah, Chuck, was, good, bad. was the second second one. Get Chuck Norris. Yeah, yep. Chuck Norris is in the second one. Yeah. Oh, man. It, but you're right. It really is a who's who. But with James Monroe, he is the big bad. But you've also got General Gaza played by David Zayas. hmm Interestingly, both Roberts and Zayas, who played the villains in this film, played the same Batman villain, Sal Maroney, in two different incarnations. Ah. Zayas played Maroney in Gotham, and Roberts played Maroney in The Dark Knight. So there you go. There you go. Bit of a bit of trivia. Funny, for
1: the, you. It's funny there's that link because I was just thinking uh, every time I saw Roberts on screen last night, he just screamed Harvey Dent. I just looked at him and he just screamed 2 Face" every time I saw him. Maybe it was the yeah. suit—I don't know—but seeing him in that suit, I was like, "Man, this guy could make a great hobby, then.
0: Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. Well, let's uh, yeah. let's talk a bit about the tone then. I mean, this this is a film. We've mentioned the gore, the exploding bodies already. It has a body count of 188. <laughs> that is that is a lot. But you've got all these mercenaries; they've all got big guns, mainly. Yeah. Terry Crews, I think he's got the biggest gun. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I yeah, like, them. But, 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 and it just takes people out, like, it blows people apart.
0: But totally, it went on a bit of a, bit of a journey. Producer Avi Lerner decided to cut the film down to two versions, a PG-13 rated version and an R-rated version, both of which were screen tested and the R-rated one was officially released. Lerner had considered cutting down the violence because of the success of recent PG-13 action films like Die Hard 4.0, The Dark Knight. Lerner has claimed that Sylvester Stallone's previous film, Rambo, which came out in 2008, could have been even more successful had it not contained such extreme violence and gore. That Rambo film, Rambo 4, is my favourite. It is next level... And it's it's when Stallone he was having a moment, wasn't it? He? he came back with Rocky Balboa and then Rambo and then The Expendables. It's like
1: he, yeah, it's like he just revisited all these old franchises and gave them a spark of life one last time before he went, let's try something
0: new. That's it. But I'm glad that they kept it as an R-rated movie, which I believe mm. they did for the second one as well. And which then I think they went PG-13 with Expendables 3. And it's really noticeable... As well, and oh, I'll, I don't want to get too into it because with four coming out at some stage, it sounds like comics will be covering every single Expendables movie. Oh, yeah, but what yeah they... that makes complete sense. Even when the film finished last night, I said to
1: Sarah, We got to watch the other two, you know, this that's is it. Yeah, make me want to watch the other two.
0: So, there will be reviews coming for all Expendables movies, but what they did, and it's so noticeable with the third movie, the lack of blood. Like you're mm. getting the same level of violence you're getting in the first two without yeah. the blood. and I wonder why he, they went that route. Well, oh, I guess there were money. Like they were just wanting yeah. to reach a wider audience. Like just having it be this R rated thing, you you're gonna mm. limit your audience. But the yeah, audience that wants to see these films aren't kids, you know, that people our age and older. Yeah. You know, who grew up with the, these guys yes, watch the films in the 80s, 90s, where the audience, but they went younger and they had younger characters introduced in Expendables 3, like Ronda Rousey, she's in it. And they had this younger team. And then for some parts of the movie, the older guys are stood to the side. I'm like, hang on. The whole point Mm -hmm. of this franchise is the old guys back on the big screen. Anyway, (laughs) we're getting a (laughs) fourth movie that we're going to look to correct the mistake that they made for the series. yeah but i mean i had a moment last night watching it where
1: it kind of did bring me full circle it reminded me that that was indeed the first time it still and Schwarzenegger scared uh shared the screen together because then uh, i completely forgot about it to be honest with you because i watched recently earlier this year i watched um escape plan the prison movie with arnie and sly in it and i thought i was hyped otherwise I, I was like these two legends these two icons are finally on screen for the first time together and then i was like watching the expendables last night i was like no it was the Expendables that brought them together for the first time on screen.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you are right to an extent. Like the, the first time starring together in a film was Escape Plan. Because, again, this was because an they were uncredited like cameo. And yeah. They're actually Whereas both Escape playing Plan. parts, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Escape Plan, good film, bad sequels. Bad yeah, sequels. I, I never saw the sequels, and I don't think I want to now. Stallone <laughs> is back in two and three, but very, very limited. Mm. Yeah, it's it's not it's not the same thing. Dave Batista, he's he's in two and three. Oh, wow! Okay. So you know they're still getting some decent names, but it's not what you got with that first movie. See, there's a name,
1: Dave Batista, They could probably get him to do Expendables four. He's a big enough guy, and and probably the Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Those kind of guys are, are the new school or new era of the action
0: man. So they could probably enlist them. Yeah, I I mean maybe I mean yeah yeah. I just like it being like the old guard. And I guess we've still only
1: been the losing the guard,
0: losing some of that. I guess if Statham is going to lead the team in a potential five onwards, ah, we'll just. Yeah, the kinds of doing he'll go for. Yeah. Wait and wait and see. Now, the score. Always like the score. Did you recognize the composer, Brian Tyler? I did not. No. Let me tell you about Brian Tyler. In his 24 year career, He has scored seven installments of the Fast and Furious franchise, Rambo, Eagle Eye, The Expendables Trilogy, Iron Man 3, Now You See Me, Avengers Age of Ultron with Danny Elfman, Crazy Rich Asians and the Super Mario Brothers movie, among others. This guy is so Prolific, he also rearranged the current fanfare of the Universal Pictures logo originally composed by Jerry Goldsmith for Universal Pictures 100th anniversary which debuted with The Lorax, the animated movie that came out in 2012. He Wow there's more. He composed the 2013 to 2016 Marvel Studios logo, which debuted with Thor The Dark World in 2013, which he also composed the film's score. He's also behind soundtrack of many TV series, including Yellowstone. He previously worked with Stallone on Rambo in 08. Due to time constraints, Stallone didn't actually get to listen to Tyler's score until the film was completed, but no doubt he was happy with the end result. And that is a little bit about Brian Tyler. I mean, the guy has done so much, and he's he's showing no signs of slowing down. Man, prolific is the word. It's almost an understatement. I mean, if you think, like, again, just going back to the Marvel Studios logo, for three years, every MCU film you watched, it was his music that you was hearing. With that, is that the logo? one where the logo kind of it takes you into a deep dive through the
1: letters and then you start seeing all the action through the letters come through the screen? Yep, it's that one, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, oh, wow, so good. Uh, yeah, the music, the visuals, amazing. I
1: think he's uh, in terms of, uh, of composers, I can only think of two others who are as prolific or as revered probably as him, and that would be probably da- obviously Danny Elfman and then Hans Zimmer. They're the only cho- the two names that come to mind, maybe Graham Revel, but they're the names that come to mind.
0: You know, a big one, and I guess it's the, the, the type of films that we we'll cover on this podcast, but the mm. most prolific composer is James Horner. James yeah, Horner you mentioned him. has come up on the podcast more than any other, but that is very impressive. Sure. Uh, Brian mm. Tyler, good stuff. So, the expendables, if you're going to rate this film out of five. Look, I'm, I think it's fair to say, probably, probably,
1: I want to say late fours or five, but I, I, that's too indecisive. So I'm going to come in at five, because um, it's just fun. It's a fun romp. You can't go wrong with all these old school guys from from you know the old vanguard getting together and just howling about and knocking about on screen. All the dudes you grew up watching, you know, um, all the names are there. And it's just a fun time. Uh, The explosions, the violence—it's over the top. It's—it's just—it's funny that there's that one moment where like Stone Cold Steve Austin's like working Arnie over uh, into the tunnels, and he said, "Who sent you?" Trying to interrogate him, and he says, "Your hairdresser." That cracked me up laughing. We didn't
0: even even mention Stone Cold again. Well, there you go. He got a (laughs)
1: little—he got a little reference. Stone Stone Cold's in there, but um. Yeah, look, man, like five out of five. It's just a, it's a lot of fun, and I mean, maybe the sequels might might not garner that that kind of score. Maybe they might dip a little with that with the scores. I guess we'll, we'll we'll see when we do our reviews of
0: those and get around to it. But certainly the
1: first one, five out of five. It's just an enjoyable romp.
0: Going back to twenty ten, watching this for the first time, it was such a unique experience. Now, I've seen this film so many times since, most recently for this. And I've got to be honest, like a lot's happened in you know 13 years. Like yeah. it was the first time for these guys, and then we've got sequels. So the shine has gone away a little bit, but just still, you know, holding on to like the feeling of watching it that first time. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it and it works because of the, the cast, the action, the dialogue. It's very fitting of 80s, 90s. Action films—it's obviously what they were were going for. For me, when they did the Expendables two, that's the one that, for me, delivered on the promise of what this film could have been. So the hmm. second one, like I'm showing my cards early before we even review that film, the second one is by far my favorite. I love the Expendables two, but I'm this film—this film—it's a very high four. It's a solid four out of five. Like I always enjoy watching it. But again, like that novelty is not quite there anymore, but that scene in the church with the three that never gets old. And four is not to
1: be sneezed at. We say threes are uh, recommend. So absolutely. Yeah,
0: four out of five. That is, that is a a good score. Absolutely. Well, that's our episode all about the Expendables. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure, never a chore. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.